Hello, this is Jamie Bridges, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. All of our services are inspired and built straight from the Bible. Let's get into this week's message recorded at Life Community Church. Hey guys, welcome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being with us this morning. Merry Christmas. And uh, I just want to give a special thanks to, to all the people that make uh, today happen. I mean, from our kids to coffee to uh, our band. I mean, just incredible. So I appreciate all of our volunteers making these three uh, services happen. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Let's pray. We're going to jump right in. Jesus, thanks so much for today. God, thank you for all that you're doing. These next couple moments, God, I ask that you just meet us where we're at. And God, I'm, I'm grateful that today you know exactly where we're at. We might pretend, maybe we're hiding, uh, maybe we're acting like um, everything's okay when it's not okay. God, do you see what's really going on? And Lord, we just pray uh, that you meet us there. God, thank you that we don't have to perform. We don't have to come to this arrival place. You love us where we are. And God, I am so grateful uh, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of reasons we, we celebrate today. You know, I love family traditions, and I'm sure you have them. I'm sure there's something you're going to do after this. And I also recognize that uh, for a lot of you, uh, maybe Christmas isn't um, special. Maybe it's, maybe it's hurtful this year. Uh, maybe you're, you're celebrating a first Christmas without a loved one. Like, we recognize that, that Christmas can be difficult. We recognize that it's hard. Um, and we recognize that not all traditions are great. We recognize that there are some, some tough things, upbringings and all of that. But I'm going to say this more than once today. And I'm primarily saying it more than once because I think we need to hear it. I think there are things that we need to hear over and over and over again. And I want you to hear this more than anything, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through today, there is a God that loves you and he died for you and he has a plan and a purpose. And when you don't feel like there is a purpose or you don't feel like uh, you feel like you're alone and like God has abandoned you or something tragic has happened and you think that defines you, I just want you to know that that does not define you. God defines you and uh, God cares about who you are. So I need you to hear that today. And I know that's easier said than, uh, than believed or done, uh, but I'm going to say it over and over, and I hope that those words and, and the words from Scripture that we're going to share, and I have just a brief amount of time, and, and I, again, I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful for the way you've adapted, uh, especially those that are in the, in the, in the well watching what, what we're doing. And and uh, being a part, so I'm grateful for that, but I'm going to say it over and over because it's important. I'm a why person. I want to know why, and I don't know if, if that's you. Maybe sometimes you've asked the question, for what reason, uh, but I'm a why guy, and so when I look at Christmas, I want to say things like, well, what does this mean for me? 2023, Columbia, Illinois, what does this mean for me? Why did Jesus come? Like, why do we celebrate, and why do we do what we do? Like, I think those are important questions to ask ourselves. And first and foremost, uh, I, Jesus came because it was historically, okay, over 300 prophecies talk about Jesus, some 700 years before Jesus even came. In fact, Isaiah says this. Matthew 1 repeats Isaiah uh, chapter 7. It says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you this sign. Look 
The virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Over 300 prophecies talking about Jesus, historically, the facts and what was seen. That's why Jesus came, because it had to be fulfilled. Okay, that's first and foremost, so much that the writer of 1 John says it this way, and we know that the Son of God has come, and He's given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we will live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. It's not just that it was prophesied or predicted, that it was talked about, so much that everybody in culture from Luke 2 and Matthew 1, everybody knew the prophecies. They knew this was happening. So when it came to fruition, it was these things were happening. Not only was that those things prophesied or talked about, it was also that Jesus was on a mission. Jesus had purpose. And I don't care if you're 14 years old, you're 45, you're 65, at some point in all of our lives, we're going to come to this place where we're going to ask, what is the point? Why am I here? Is there purpose? It's the first thing I say to, to anybody who's, who's being insecure or they're struggling with depression or they're doubting or maybe something has happened in their life and they're questioning or who they are or why they exist. It's the first thing that we talk about. Every single one of us want to have purpose. And Jesus had purpose. He was on a mission. And his mission was clear. In fact, Jesus quoting Luke in Luke chapter 4, a verse in Isaiah of why he came, and he lays it out. The Bible says uh, a service like this is happening, and in the middle of it, Jesus gets up, and he begins to read from Isaiah, and it says this in Luke chapter 4. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's done this. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That's why he came. He sent me to proclaim that captives can be or will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This was Jesus announcing, hey, everyone, I just want you to know everything that's been talked about, everything that's been prophesied, everything that you've heard is now here. This was him coming, letting us know up front, listen, there is a mission, there is a purpose, there is a reason, and here we go. Mark chapter 10 says, here's why else he came to give his life as a ransom. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, to give his life as a ransom for many. This passage cuts to the heart of why Jesus came, to give his very life to save ours. He was born into the world so that he could die for the world. Paul said it this way, but when the right time came, God sent his son, that's Christmas, Born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom. That's Easter for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Jesus redeems us. He pays our debt. And let's be real. It's a debt nobody in this room could pay. He paid it because it's not something you and I could do. We couldn't pay it, so he paid it. He became the ransom. And it wasn't just the ransom. It wasn't just the mission. He came to destroy the works of the devil. I know culture wants to tell us that 
You know, the devil isn't real. It's an October 31st thing. Well, the Bible is clear. There is good and there is evil. And we know that. We see that every single day. We experience it. First John says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. Satan's strategy is simple. Make sin look normal and righteousness look strange. That's the plan. Do not be deceived. Every single one of us are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ or into the image of this world. Every single one of us. Those are our two options. I'm being transformed into the image of Jesus, his son, or God, his son, Jesus, or I'm being transformed into this culture or into this world. Those are our two options. And Satan is the instigator of all sin and suffering that the human race has ever known. Every murder, every disease, every heartbreak, every, everything is because of the enemy's presence in this world. And this world is going to try to deceive, try to make you think it's nonsense, try to make you think it's foolishness. But the Bible is clear that it is happening all around us. And all you have to do is open your eyes. It's all around us. But Jesus came to destroy that and to restore to us all that was lost through this evil work. And he did it. He did it by his death on the cross. And he had to come for this to happen. Hebrews 2.14 says, because God's children are human beings. That's us. You're human. That's good news, right? Everyone in here, you're human. You're not an alien, strange. Okay, you're a human being. Great news. Some of you, it's newsworthy. Made of flesh and blood. Okay, that's us. The son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had, had, past tense, the power of death. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life, and life to the full. Here's the the scheme or the work of the enemy. To steal, to kill, and destroy. That is the plan of the enemy. If you're a sports person, you're a coach, you're a player, and you... You want to know the strategy of the other team. The older I get, the more I, I, get, I get better or more fond of watching film, seeing what the other team is up to, the strategy of the other team. I love coming against that. I love game planning and all of those things. To know the plan of the enemy, he wants to do what? He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to kill your kids. He wants to destroy your life. That's the plan of the enemy. If there's ever a moment where you're like, I feel like my life is going down the tubes, the enemy is wanting that to happen. Jesus has come that you might have life and life to the fullest. If your marriage is thriving, it's because of Jesus. If your family is thriving, it's because of Jesus. If it's not, it's because the enemy is coming to get you. And that God is clear that he came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. When you ask, why did Jesus come? That's why. So that you and I might have life. And not just life, not just getting by, but a life that is full of abundance. Thriving. Not existing, thriving. And not just that. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. Outside of these, this, this building, smaller than life community church that is right over here, thanks to the city for that six by four that we get to put up there. Small little life community church, bigger than that is a banner that says, 
says what? Anybody? A place for sinners. You know why? Because that's what this place is all about. That I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your last name is. We don't, we don't care about your, your past. We know that God has a future. And here is the, the prime example of this is that Jesus came because he calls sinners to repentance. He calls men and women with past and says, watch this, I'll transform it. The devil will tell you you're always going to be whatever you've always been. The devil's going to say whoever you've been in the past, that's you. Once a cheat, always a cheat. Once a liar, always a liar. And God says, watch this. I've come to bring life, and this is what life looks like. It's transformative. Luke, Luke 5 says it this way. Jesus answered them. This is when the religious people are talking, and Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Like This is, this is the gospel in a nutshell. If you walk in here and, and everything is perfect and and you don't need a savior you don't need a messiah you don't need a lord everything you're a great person and 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 you're perfect all of these things we're in no need of a sinner he's like healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do and this is kind of what we do in culture we kind of confuse mistakes and sin we say things like oh i just made a mistake no you didn't you knew exactly what you were doing wasn't a mistake. A mistake is when you accidentally put salt in your coffee. That's a mistake. You're driving down one of the one ways and you accidentally go the wrong way. You made a mistake. You're a Jeep person and you're driving by and you pass another Jeep and you forget the wave. <laughs> Welcome to Columbia, everybody. It's like, oh my gosh, that was my bad. My bad. I forgot the little, you know, one of those. That's a mistake. A sin is different. A sin is deliberate. It's a choice to do something you know is wrong. And there's a big difference. A mistake implies an error in judgment, something done unintentionally. The word transgression is even stronger. It implies deliberately stepping over a boundary. It's where we get our word trespass. It's similar. It implies entering onto another person's property without permission. Unlike a mistake, we choose to sin. Therefore, we must accept responsibility for it and the consequences that follow. And that is the mark of maturity. The mark of maturity, right now, I have two five-year-old twins, okay? I have a 16-year-old, two five-year-old twins, okay? I will say this, just like this. Mariah, I need you to stop doing that. The mark of maturity in Mariah's life is she gets pouty, she she steps away, and she's like, uh, and won't talk to me anymore. Like, this is what's happening. Not just because she's a girl, but because she's five. Okay? What is that? Five years old, that's immature. It's a maturity issue to being corrected. Right? She's doing something she should not be doing. I've told her a hundred times, stop doing that. She deliberately keeps doing it. She's a little sinner. Let's call it what it is, okay? The maturity. Now, if my 19-year-old, if I do that to Libby and she goes, eh, and walks away, we got issues. <laughs> We're going to say, that's a maturity thing. We got problems. 
Why? Because how I deal with my sin is more of a maturity thing than it is anything else. It's me owning it. And as easy as it is to look around a room and start pointing fingers and start thinking it's everybody else, that's not what he's called us to do. He's called us to call sinners to repentance. And for that to happen, I have to own my sin. Own it. Take responsibility. You want to know how mature you are? What do you do? Because we all agree, right? Everyone in this room has sinned. You will sin again today. Right? You're going to get mad when you didn't get the gift you wanted tonight. You know what I mean? If you're that family that opens a present early. I try to be that family. My wife won't let us. I think it should happen. Right? What is this? This is the mark of maturity. How do I, how do I know? First and foremost, when, when dealing with this, choose your words carefully. Don't minimize your sin by calling it a mistake. Agree with God. Say that the same thing about your sin that God says about it. I, cannot, I can't be cured of a disease if I continue to deny that it's a disease. I can't do it. Take responsibility for your... Own it. Stop blaming other people. Own the mistake too. Take the hit. Even if someone provokes you, own your response. Own it. Acknowledge your guilt. Guilt is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. God God allows us to be guilty, to feel guilt, to feel shame, not to leave us there, but to correct us, to change us, to move us beyond immaturity. So own the guilt. Don't be like, I don't want to feel guilty. Move past it. God doesn't call sinners to new behavior. He calls sinners to repentance. Repentance is, I'll never be the same again. I'm going to go a different direction. Have you ever been around someone who who easily says they're sorry when you know they're not sorry? Come on, somebody. You know, like, all right, I'm sorry. Fine, I'm sorry. Like, I don't feel that you're sorry. You know what I mean? What is that? You can be a sorry person all the time, but if it doesn't produce change what did we really just do and this is a big one ask for forgiveness go to people this Christmas season and say I'm sorry listen to me you're not entitled to forgiveness you're not entitled to it the hope is that they will accept your apology but stop pretending that we don't have to ask for forgiveness because people don't deserve it. Jesus said hard things, and here's one of them. In the same way you've been forgiven, forgive others. It's like, oh, you know, I cut that part out of my Bible because that's really difficult. It is hard. And not only that, but stop making excuses. Romans chapter 1 says it this way. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his, inv- his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So that they have no excuse for not knowing God. He's saying, listen, because you're here today and you're hearing about Jesus and the fact that every single one of us are responsible to do something with Jesus. But he says, even before today, you've been to the ocean, you've been to the mountains, you've seen creation so much that you've looked around and you said, wow, this is really beautiful. There must be a creator. He's saying, because we've seen that, we're without excuse. 
I don't know how you are when life is tough, but I tend to be a man that makes excuses. And God says to all of us today, we are without excuse. And that is a hard thing to hear. It's a hard thing to understand. He continues in verse 21, he says about this people, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Listen, I can follow the Jesus of the Bible or I can follow the God that I've created. And if I know, here's how I know if I'm following the God that I created. Is my mind becoming dark and confused because God is not the author of confusion. And if I'm confused, it's because I've made up a God that is easy to follow. And I just want you to know that that's not God at all. Jesus said hard things. He said things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. He said hard things like, go and sin no more. He said hard things like repent or obey me. He said very difficult things, but make no mistake about it. We are either becoming in the image of Jesus or in the image of this culture. Those are our two choices. And Matthew 12 says, and anyone who isn't with me, Jesus said this, opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Last thing. Romans 10 says it this way. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring that your faith that you are saved. And this, this was Paul telling the Roman church, church, we have to do something with this Jesus, but ignoring him is not going to work. Pretending that he doesn't exist, pretending that he doesn't love you, pretending that there isn't purpose, pretending that there isn't a plan, that is not going to work. You must do something with this gift that God gave us. Am I telling you something easy? No, I'm not. I'm telling you something very difficult. It's very difficult. Because the thing that Jesus said in Luke 9 is, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross daily, deny himself, and follow me. The most difficult thing to do in the world is to deny yourself. But it's the only way that we can follow him to give him our life. Would you stand with me right now? I'm going to invite you to take that candle. Listen, maybe you're in this room. And... Maybe you're in this room and you're a guest, someone brought you, you're a family member, maybe church, Jesus talk, all that kind of stuff is new to you. Maybe there's a, a part of you inside of you that, that says like, hey, I don't know about this, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to ask you to do something. This is not a moment where I'm going to ask you to come forward or find somebody. I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. Maybe you've never done this in church before. You didn't even know this is something you could even do, maybe. I'm going to ask you to text the word Christmas to 618-232-4707. And that's going to initiate a conversation. And that conversation could be, you know what, I want to, I want to know a little bit more 
about what a relationship with Jesus is like. Maybe, maybe you've been raised in religion. I understand what you're talking about. I was raised in religion too. But this is not about religion. This is about a relationship with Jesus, and that it is possible. So maybe you're interested in that. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I want to talk to someone a little further about that. Same, same, same number, Christmas, 618-232-4707. Maybe you say, you know what? I want to read more about this Jesus, and I need a Bible. Can I get one of those? Yes, you can. Whatever the case, we're asking that you would initiate it. And here's the deal. It is between me and you and Jesus. I will get, I will get the Google Doc of whatever you say. Maybe you just want to initiate it. Whatever the case, you want to go a little further than where you are right now. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. God, we believe as your word says, that this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice in this day. And Lord, we know there's a lot of things that are happening in our lives. We know, God, that there's a lot of things on our mind this Christmas season. And Lord, we turn to you, the light of the world, the son of the living God. And Lord, we ask that you would radically change our hearts. It's not a church that changes us. It's not a pastor. It's not a leader. It is the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Son that radically changes our lives. And so, Lord, we ask that you move on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's sing this song together.